and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Uh, I'm feeling very uh, self-satisfied, very <laughs> proud of myself. Oh, no, no very, question about it. Very sure of my yeah. intelligence. Yeah. There's a word that I'm looking for here. Uh, I can sum this up. What is it? I feel like it's something that I was called recently. Uh, you and I geez. were both called recently. And this ain't helping, by the way. <laughs> Smug is the word you're looking for. Yeah, or snobbish. Or snobbish or both. arrogant is a good one. So we want to start this episode by addressing uh, the complaints that Tyler and I have have uh, become too smug. That, yes. the, that the word pretension in the title... Is apt. We, we have taken our tongues out of our cheeks. Exactly. And now we are just pretentious. And planted them... Uh, I'm not going to do that. Um, but I feel like it, it specifically... Uh, at least for my part, came from me telling a story a few weeks ago about how I was bothered simply by the fact of my coworker talking about Anton Corbin's The American. Yes. Um, and I'm not going to apologize for that, but I want to clarify. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm better than this person. I actually quite like this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's one of the uh, smartest, most accomplished people that I that I work with. Mm-hmm. But we all have our things. Yeah. And I know that I know more about movies than this person. Mm-hmm. And I don't... I actually feel bad that I get so uh, annoyed. Yeah. You know, because I, I shouldn't. I'm sure... I don't know what uh, this coworker is into. Let's say scrapbooking. Because that's not a condescending thing to accuse a woman of being into. <laughs> you know, my wife enjoys scrapbooking. I, I got nothing against scrapbooking. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't do it. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. But let's say I just started spouting my opinions on scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong for me to have opinions, and it's not wrong for me to uh, declare them. Yeah. And it's also not wrong for a person who's into scrapbooking to be annoyed by my opinions because I don't know enough. Right. So I'm not judging a person. I'm just saying because it's we all have our own crosses to bear going through life yeah. because we all know more about something than most other people. Right. And and my I'll I'll address the overall issue of smugness uh, in a moment, but uh but yeah, and the reason that I uh didn't have a problem with uh, what you were saying and actually I I knew what you were what you were talking about specifically is that um you weren't address you weren't addressing the American specifically. It's like what your problem was was just a general an an approach that that she seemed to have take towards the film that you yeah. know okay well she's probably taking that towards other films and the whole approach is, is not necessarily wrong but it's just not the best approach one could take I think I mean I think it is wrong but I don't think it's wrong for her to take the approach if that makes sense it's right it's the approach that most people take to movies yeah um and um again the the fact that I have chosen movies as my thing means that I have to deal with that. Yeah. And everyone else, you know, I'm sure uh, people who are super into rock music, maybe mm-hmm. people who listen to this podcast. Yeah. Because I, like, uh, I like rock and roll. I like, I like music. <laughs> and I talk about it sometimes. And yeah. I don't know as much as a person who has dedicated their interests to it the way I have with film. And I'm sure it annoys them. doesn't mean I'm going to stop talking about it. Yes, and, and, okay, here's an example of 
something even very specific, as we all know. I'm a big fan of the Riddler. But being a fan of the Riddler means sooner or later you're going to cro- run across someone who's like, why did he leave riddles? That's th- it's a guarantee you're going to get caught. It's like, <laughs> ah. The character is deeper than that. Yeah. It's not merely about getting away. Perhaps he there's something wrong with him. If there is, <laughs> you know, it just and like, you know, or maybe he puts the riddles out there as a way of throwing off Batman or something like that. You know, but that's the thing is, the Riddler has become my thing, and you have to realize, you know, if somebody, you know, someone who loves the Joker, I could be like, why is he putting that makeup on? You know, I guess to disguise himself, but, uh, oh, it's just going to look terrible. It's going to be all smeary. It could get in his eyes when he's sweating. <laughs> you know, it's terrible. You can't do that. Yeah. And just like, why wear uh, so many layers? It's going to get hot when you're fighting. You know, and just, uh, or it just, that's the thing. You're right. Everybody has their thing. And, yeah. uh, and so, yes, I'm not going to deny that I am a snob about movies. Mm-hmm. That's. That's what that's what gave me when Tyler said we should do a podcast about movies. If I weren't a snob about movies, I would have said no. I can't do that. Right, right. <laughs> that's why I have the balls to come here and talk about movies <laughs> for an hour and a half a week, as if I know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah. Because I believe I do, because I'm a snob about it. Yeah, and there are plenty of people that know way more than we do, and um, and that's the thing is that's that's where actually uh, where I wanted to to chime in a little bit. Is uh, I was listening back to the uh, the interview that you and I did with uh, Colin Marshall, and it was a fun interview and all that. But I listened back to it, and more specifically, it was transcribed. This was for um, the marketplace, marketplace of ideas. ideas, yes, which is a, a podcast and a radio show. Yes, and it's very interesting. It gets a lot of good guests, and uh, and Colin's just a really great interviewer. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but they transcribed the interviews, and uh, man, I don't care how smart you think you are. When you see a conversation that you're having put on paper, you're uh-huh. like, oh, jeez, I'm the dumbest guy ever. I'm surprised I can string any words together. No, I, sh- I, was, I haven't read it. I'm afraid. I, uh, you come off pretty good. I doubt it. But, uh, but one, one thing that in reading it, I realized, like, man, both of us, but I would say especially uh, I come off as very pompous and very like well you know when you know as much as i do now in my defense if someone's interviewing you for an hour about something that you quote unquote know about yeah you're gonna come off as pompous because there's it's a nice little ego boost <laughs> but also um i don't know it just uh as i was reading it's just like oh geez it, it makes it sound like my opinion is the only one that matters but the the thing to keep in mind is david and i both know that there's Let's say millions of people that know more about film than than we do, including mm-hmm. some of our listeners. Yeah, you know, we get listeners who say, "Oh, you should profile this filmmaker." It's like I've not even heard of that filmmaker. Well, I've usually heard of them. You've usually <laughs> heard of them, yes. But as we know, I uh, I love America, <laughs> and as such, I don't. I'm not really that interested in the films of other countries. Yeah. You know what I mean? We won't be doing a profile episode on Claire Denise anytime soon. No. We will not. <laughs> anyway, so... She's great, though. She oh, no question films. about it. Absolutely. You haven't seen the for No, I have not. But, uh, but yeah, so it's... And, and David and I have both recently, uh, by people that we know socially, been uh, accused of being kind of uh, smug and arrogant and snobbish. And, and it's... Uh, by people you... By I people we mean be sp- socially, 
people we know socially, you mean our significant others yes. accused us of being snobs. Yes, and uh, on separate occasions. So um, <laughs> yeah, they didn't get together. Yeah, they're like, like you know what? I'm really we getting- came in to do the podcast one day, and my girlfriend and your wife were sitting there tapping their feet. <laughs> uh, they should do a podcast about how snobbish we are. Um, but uh, yeah, that would feed your ego, wouldn't it? <laughs> but the. Uh, That'd be awesome. There should be more podcasts about me. Um, but yeah, and so it's. Uh, but as David mentioned uh, early in the in in the run of the show, we really wanted to. We did not. Battleship pretension was meant to be tongue in cheek, uh-huh. and it was meant to be kind of this funny play on words. And uh, after three years plus of doing it, uh, well over three years at this point, um, you know, uh, and you start to get a little bit popular it can be possible to have things kind of go to your head a little bit and uh, and so i so david uh, did not want to apologize for his specific comments and i don't think he should but i feel like apologizing at the, at the very least for my part of the some of the general tone of the conversation um in the on the marketplace of ideas on the marketplace episode? of ideas and occasionally on on these episodes and i think it also frankly we have a lot of comedians on and comedians point out like the foibles of things and the uh-huh. ridiculousness of things. And when you're talking about movies, you're pro- and with a comedian, and you're trying to keep up, you're probably going to adopt a slightly more superior air than you normally would, just so you can keep up and try to be funny in in right. your own right. But uh, so yeah, that's uh, the the person who who posted on iTunes. Uh, sp- it's there were other things aside from from that guy specifically. Um, but you know, ideally, I would have preferred. An email saying, "Hey, I don't like uh, the direction you're going, but whatever, that's fine." Uh, my uh, wait, how did this person? Uh, what was that? You would have preferred an email to what? To uh, posting on iTunes. Oh, where yeah. like everyone can see and doesn't bother me. I don't know. I'm more interested these days. I'm actually much more interested in like a, disc- a discussion than just like putting something out there where someone can't respond. And not to imply that that's cheap or anything. That's what iTunes is for. Um, and I don't even really take it that personally anymore. But part of me feels like, oh, this this could be resolved with a, with yeah, a discussion. Take it to the message boards, maybe. Message boards? Yeah. Battleshippretension.proboards.com. Is that the message board you're talking about, David? Yes, that's the specific one I'm talking okay. about. Okay. So, yeah. And you but can if you find... want to talk about us on some other message board. D- plenty of other people have. What was the, uh, oh, what did they say? Smug tossers. <laughs> we, we were called smug, smug tossers once, yeah. and uh, that was a delight. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I was I was glad that David wanted to uh, to bring this up at the top of this episode because uh, that he uh, he called the audible in the last one. <laughs> um, but uh, because yeah, it's it, it's stuff like this is going to happen. This is our thing. We're and I'm pre- I'm fairly confident in my opinion. Yeah, and it's just going to happen. So I apologize if I offend people with my pompousness. And I assure you that uh, I do not think myself as, uh, you know, uh, like the best critic in the world or anything like that. So No, not at all. So. Plenty of people out there. Top 30. No. No question about it. <laughs> no way more than, than we do. Absolutely. Now then, that was the message we wanted to get across. Let's get into it, shall we? Look uh, at me. Last episode, yesterday, I guess, we talked about uh, sort of movies as fun or yeah. as... Uh, we, we talked about the, the dichotomy between beauty and truth. Yes. You know, um, and we approached movies from a beauty standpoint. Mm-hmm. This one, we're going to talk about truth. We're going to talk about messages. We're going to talk about statements. Indeed. And there's going to be a lot of statements. And there's going to be a lot of, uh, not necessarily overlap, but interplay between the two things. I mean, anyone who mm-hmm. listened 
to the last episode knows that there are frequent moments when we we're like, oh, we should uh, we should save that for the yeah. the next episode because the two the two go together very well. But I want to start by talking about Jaws, which is the movie we ended talking about yes. in the last episode, as, as a way of just making my point that, um, well, you know, on a recent episode of Mad Men, okay, um, I haven't seen it. Spoilers? No, it's not a. This is not a spoiler. There is a sort of, I guess you'd call him. Well, he's like a proto hippie, like a beat beatnik type mm-hmm. guy. Is trying to convince um, Peggy that there are political reasons she shouldn't be working in advertising, and she says, "I'm not a political person." And he says, "You are, whether you want to be or not." Yeah, and um, that's kind of that's kind of my point of view on movies in a way. I'm not saying that I'm. I'm not like a Jonathan Rosenbaum, who I, I love as a critic, but who mm-hmm. looks at almost, he pretty much looks at every movie politically, mm-hmm. you know, uh, or, or socially, or just from from that sort of uh, that sort of perspective. But I, I am saying just by virtue of existing, mm-hmm. uh, a film is making some sort of statement, yeah, be it political or social, or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, because it. We talked a lot about universality in the last episode, but the truth, and, and there are things that are largely universal. But the truth is, no, there is no one thing on which uh, one thing about the world or one worldview that everyone has. Yeah. So, a movie because it's uh, subjective, mm-hmm. um, it, it 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 naturally has to assume a worldview. If it takes yeah. place in the world, it has to assume a world or. If it just if it's a narrative, it has to assume a worldview. Right. It has to assume certain things about people or about morality, mm-hmm. uh, and and that makes it inherently political. Or, yeah. You know, or, you know, in uh, the um, uh, what am I what am I thinking of the the mayor in in Jaws who won't yeah. let won't let uh, Roy Scheider Scheider shut down the beach yeah. or whatever, you know. Um, that is, it's not hammered home, but that's a statement about, um, what government is interested in, to what extent they're interested in actually protecting the people that they're in charge of. Yeah. And, and and to what extent they're interested in the accumulation of more power. Well, and also, I mean, it, it brings up an interesting idea because what does protection even mean? Because by keeping the beaches open, there's economic protection because mm-hmm. that's what, how the town makes its money. But then, of course, in keeping the beaches open, people could be hurt. And then, of course, there's literal physical protection at that point. Yeah. And so I think it's even more, uh, a little more muddy than that. And there's a, there's a discussion to be had about that. Like, yeah, and there's, that's something we talk, when we talk about Munich, we were talking about things that people can disagree on. Mm-hmm. And anytime there's not a clear answer, if there's a, cause for debate yeah then that's in a broad sense that's a political part of the movie yeah and when you say political i mean i feel like it because the term political even has a a certain uh association with it where you think in terms of like conservative liberal and all that kind of thing i mean you could i guess you could also say like philosophical or theological or just political in terms of uh i mean i guess policy yeah is a is a a big part of it, like what is uh, what is right and wrong, and what should 
uh, I uh, maybe policy isn't even the right word, but uh, like civics, you know, mm-hmm. what is our role as members of this society, be it a small town like Amityville yeah. or the country or the world, the human race, the, yeah, the human race. Mm-hmm. Um, we we have, or maybe we don't have, depending on your point of view, mm-hmm. a responsibility to other people who are in the same group as us. Yeah, and that's where the left right thing falls. Yeah, you know, um, right. Right-wingers tend to be more individualistic. Left-wingers yeah. tend to be more about the group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I'm not saying one's right or wrong. And we are back. Okay, yeah. We took a, a rare break there because Tyler's landlord showed up. And yeah. it was hilarious. We're being evicted. No. <laughs> Your landlord is apparently some sort of like Svengali. <laughs> or, or fancies himself such because... He, Tyler opens the door, and he says, hey, I don't want to say it again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and he says, uh, are you feeding the cats out back? I guess there are stray cats. <laughs> yes, there know? are, yeah. And you're, like, and you're like, no, we're not feeding the cats. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. No one is feeding the cats, and yet the cats are being fed. <laughs> and, and then you were like, we're not the ones feeding the cats. And he was like, yeah. who is feeding the cats? Who is feeding the cats? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and me, like I, like I held up, uh, you know, like, ima- okay, imagine Peter Lorre in th- like the thirties being interrogated. I didn't hold up very long, you know, uh, because because th- th- as I was telling David, um, in my complex. To my knowledge, Jen and I are the only ones with a pet, and it is a cat, Charlie, my adorable cat. And uh, and I knew that, uh, oh, the, uh, the old landlord pr- probably suspected us first. Uh-huh. And uh, sure enough, a year ago, we were feeding the cats, and then we stopped. You didn't tell him that just now. What? Did you tell him that? Yeah, I did. Oh, that you used to feed the cats? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Okay. And well, uh, back good. when there were only two of them, but now they're like five. So And they're so having kittens. Stopped. And they're having and kittens. And they're shitting everywhere. Yes. And so yeah, you're not just a narc. Like you have an interest in these cats no longer Absolutely. being around all the time. Ideally I'd like to take them to a shelter or something, but they always run away when Jen and I approach them. So but yes, uh so I'm like, ah, he's like and he goes, who, who is feeding the cats? And I and I'm just like, ah, yeah, you know, like I wanted him to be sympathetic that's like, hey, I don't want to narc out the people that live next to me. Uh but he's like who is feeding the cats? <laughs> it's just like, uh, 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 I don't was, want to be in trouble. Yeah, it, it was very funny to me. Yeah, it was very funny to David. But now it, I got funny. Live with no one is feeding the cats. And, and yet, yet the cats are being fed. And yet the cats are being fed. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that was a, it was a vaguely terrifying experience because I haven't gotten them October rent yet. But uh, Ooh. it's fine. It's usually a few days late. Because okay. um, it is okay October. It sure is. As of this record, it is October 2nd. It is. Oh, man. When I was talking to the landlord, I let a fly in. That's going to bother the Yeah, I saw it come in, too. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so David just witnessed uh, what it is to be me all the time. <laughs> so, just anyway, folding I, I, like a cheap suit. Uh, is that what a cheap suit does? Yeah, I've heard that. Expensive suits fold, too, is the I thing. I, yeah, I don't think that's a saying. I think you've heard people say that incorrectly. Fold like a cheap suit. I've heard that. Okay. I've never heard it. David at BattleshipProtension.com. Email him. Let him know that fold like a cheap suit is a thing. I don't think so. I've heard like all over you like a cheap suit. Huh. I haven't heard that. 
Because a cheap suit, of course, wouldn't hang comfortably. It would be snug in places. Yeah, and I guess so. That makes sense to me. But ideally, a, a nicer suit that's tailor-made for you will be more, on, you know, would be, be all over you more. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Fair enough. But I still, uh, I don't know what you would fold like. I don't know. It makes no sense to me, but it's the thing that I've heard. If it makes no sense to you, I would stop saying it. I don't say it. You except just, just I just said it now. It's not, I'm not, inca- I'm not interrogated very often. Okay. I, d- I don't remember where we were. Okay. What we talking about? We should have gone back and listened. <laughs> no, let's not. Okay. <laughs> what was on your list for this particular episode? Well, because in, in the last one, as, as you may recall, I um, may recall, you'll probably remember, um, the, I had talked about the idea of movies that are quote-unquote fun, you know, the idea of art as, as uh, is beauty and all that, um, coming first, uh, hitting the audience first uh, on an emotional level, mm-hmm. and then maybe uh, intellectual second, and I feel like... Uh, the opposite is true of movies with a message. What are you laughing at? <laughs> Your landlord. Okay, yes, fair enough. Okay, sorry, go ahead. Okay, yes, he's gone now, it's done, and the <laughs> listeners didn't see it. So, oh, man. we can move on. I imagine, I mean, he's, is he Armenian? I have to assume so, yes. Bald, wearing glasses. Yeah. Uh, somehow wearing, like, cargo shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops, but still... Yeah. Very in- intimidating. Very uh, short, much shorter than I am. Yeah, but something about like the baldness in the glasses. Yeah, he was a very intimidating man, and it made me laugh. <laughs> anyway, okay, now then, um, but I feel like movies, uh, you know, the 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 art as uh, you know, art as truth and all that. Um, I feel like uh, those, in my opinion, go the other way, where they start with a message. Um, they start with something they want to communicate, which means intellectualizing. Mm-hmm. you know, what it is they have to say, uh, and then and then probably kind of deferring to uh, the audience's instinct or their emotions or whatever. Um, and But I feel like it's much more complicated with these types of movies because if you go too far in either direction, you know, you wind up being probably a bad movie one way or the other. Yeah. There, there are plenty of of message movies or statement movies, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, um, that become so focused on the statement that there's no nuance, there's no, uh, there's really no characters specifically. There is only the writer and the director uh-huh. in the mouths of, who, you know, uh, the one that popped up in my mind was Lions for Lambs. Right. Yes. Okay. Which is a very bad movie. Very dry. And the actors do what they can. But ultimately, it's just this character is not himself. He is representative of what he is. Right. He's not even allowed to be what he is. And, and it happens all throughout, you know, in that movie. And, but then, of course, if you... So that's, that's like, okay, message first, and then maybe something relatable. Uh, but then if you go the other way, and you have a, a statement movie... And you want to first appeal to people emotionally mm-hmm. so that they'll be on board with you. Then you wind up with l- the life of David Gale. Is right. it the life? Yes, the life of I David Gale. Never saw, it's yeah. terrible. It's one of the worst movies you'll ever see. Yeah. Um, because it just it takes the idea. You know, the, the message is that the death penalty is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but and you know what? I would compare it to um, I would compare it to Munich because in both instances, it's a movie with a controversial statement that people may not agree with, and the the filmmaker himself definitely has an opinion. Uh, and so, but they'll to try to get people on board with that statement, or at the very least, to get them talking, will kind of dress it up like a typical Hollywood whatever. In the case of Munich, it's a thriller. In the case of Life and uh, Life of uh, David Gale, it's more of just a general uh, like yeah, kind of a thriller element to that too. Now that I think about it, um, but uh, the problem is that. Munich handles it well. Mm-hmm. Life of David Gale, they wind up in trying to make it an accessible thriller, they wind up totally taking the legs out from under the message to the point where the message is not only lost, but uh, completely um, undersold. In fact, I think they wind up by the end selling the opposite view that they're taking. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that's where you need to find the middle ground of emotion and, and intellect. Well, I think often... Uh, yeah, you know, I'll get into this this way. Speaking of the worst movies I've ever seen, okay, there's a movie that was very successful, um, but I and it's also a very political movie. It's fascist, it's nationalistic, okay, but it's a movie that I get the impression most people who enjoy it uh, don't think of it as a political movie. But it's it's one of the most political movies of the last ten years, and this is uh, Three Hundred. Three Hundred, really? Okay, yeah. which is I, again one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Okay, oh, possibly right. the worst film of the decade. Oh, hang on now. The worst film of the decade. The most worst film I've seen of the okay, decade. Okay, fair enough. I'm sure there are plenty There's of There's got to be worse. I didn't see either of the Garfield movies. Okay. But, uh... You saw a date movie. I I, I did, but I, I hardly even think of those as movies. We talked about that before. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so 300. Uh, nationalistic... Yeah, uh, I mean, the... Yeah. If you... The thing is, it's... Because it's presented as genre... And that's something I would really want to get right. to in a second here. Um, it's seen as a war movie or an action movie, you know, uh, or whatever, just a, a bloody movie mm. or something. But it's you only have to think about it for half a second to realize that it's one of the most brazenly political movies, whether you agree with it or not, yeah. uh, that's come out of studios in years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, – <laughs> and, and it's – it not only is it political in a – general sense in a specific sense it is about the uh white guys going up against the the persians you know the the brown guys it's about uh persians and arabs and it's it it, the the idea that if zack snyder made that movie without ever once considering how it mirrored our middle eastern foreign policy oh yeah then he's an idiot there's no way. There's no way. And I'm not saying he's an idiot. I'm saying there's no way he didn't consider it. Well, and I mean, there's, there's not. It's not merely about the, the dynamics of the two armies. It's also about the corrupt Senate or or representatives or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it was. They're corrupt. They're ineffectual. They would prefer diplomacy and all of that. And then it's one, and then it takes one man. You know, to lead like this militaristic force and they're the ones that are going to get things done like these uh, freaking representatives over here they're just going to go back and forth until the end of time but uh you know the only way to get stuff done is to freaking you know pick up a spear get your friends and off we go yeah so yeah i mean that's but, and, kind and, of, and, but also it uh has 
300 has messages of um, a sort of what the ideal physical shape a person should be in <laughs> is, yeah. you know, and, and that uh, it's it's all about uh, it's all about country, right or wrong. Yeah. You back your country. It's um, it's a movie that I disagree with politically, but that's not why I dislike it. Well, there's plenty. Yeah, absolutely. I remember when I... You know, s- go ahead. before we get to another movie that I generally... That I overall disagree with politically. That is, again, something I talked about on the show. is a very political movie, but is not thought of as such. Mm-hmm. Is Antoine Fuqua's Shooter. Shooter, star- okay. Starring yeah. Mark Wahlberg, which is... Um, I mean, but you like that movie. You love that I movie. I loved it. Okay. Yeah. Um, even though I don't agree with it. I mean, it's just, it, the movie could be used as like a recruiting tool for the Michigan militia. Like, it's okay. all about how we should all have guns and we should be uh, not only, you know, allowed, but ready and willing to turn our guns on the government if uh, they restrict our freedoms too much. You're against that message? I thought you were pro-gun. I, I am, but uh, I think they're... I guess that's why I'm not nearly as, as against Shooter as I am against uh, 300. Right. Um, which I almost called 30 Rock just now. That's uh, a different thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, it, it it is... It's a little more violent than I could espouse. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure... I'm not sure the tyranny has reached quite that level yet where oh, okay. a senator deserves to be shot in the face point blank <laughs> because he is a senator, yeah. which is what happens in Shooter. Spoilers. It also happens, uh, spoilers, in uh, Edge of Darkness. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. And boy, you don't expect that. Because it, honestly, it's one of those things like, well, I mean, yeah, he is a he is a senator. I mean, you can't do that. Oh, Oh, you know what? Uh, touche. Yeah, I guess I was wrong. But the, I think the the words in Shooter are you can't you can't kill me. I'm a member of the U.S. Senate, and he says I know, and shoots him in the face. Almost exactly the same thing, except <laughs> it's. Uh, well, I won't say who does it. Yeah, I'm not going to say. It. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess there's only one senator in Shooter, so yeah, you yeah. figure out who it is. Um. Anyway, what were you going to say? Well, it's. <laughs> yeah, I was going to talk more about 300, but um. And I think that's this. This is where it's, it becomes an interesting thing because, um, because though I don't like Three Hundred, I uh, I think it's actually a very effective message movie or statement movie because the people that love it, and this is going to be a uh, maybe too broad a statement, maybe a little mm-hmm. insulting, but I know plenty of people that love that movie and really buy into it because it is. Because Zack Snyder does treat it first... We're going to keep going back to Munich here, but like treats it first and foremost as this fun entertainment thing yeah. with badass visuals and badass action sequences and all that. And then, you know, and of course these men are freaking like ripped. They are the, like the physical ideal and all of mm-hmm. that. And they are awesome at fighting and all this. Did you ever hear Sarah Silverman's joke? No, what is it? The way they came up with the name 300 was when they rated a movie on a scale of 1 to 10 of how gay it was. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess there is that as well, that part of it. But uh, but the people I know that like that uh, movie don't think about it in in those terms. But um, don't you find that odd that, like, I like like football. I like to watch football. Okay. But I feel like, uh, you know, most people who watch things like football or wrestling or boxing... Mm -hmm. They're generally men, they're generally very macho, and yet ironically have no comprehension of just how homoerotic these things are. 
Mm-hmm. Even I myself would say that boxing is not homoerotic because the idea is two guys keep trying to keep them each other at an arm's length. Wrestling, however, is yes, that's a little. I don't know. I think that level of physical contact and sweat and exposed skin no. is homoerotic. I thought you were going to say hot. <laughs> um, it is very hot, but and, and I, that's not a bad thing. I don't think a, I don't think a sport is any better or less less good. Mm. It's not any more or less good because it's homoerotic. I just find it ironic that people are so unaware of the homoeroticism. Well, and that's because that's there the is dichotomy a, of man, huh? Amen to that. We'll get you next time. Um, <laughs> let's take some calls. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, and so. I feel like uh, 300, though I, you know, because I uh, I don't want to turn things in this direction, but in the modern Christian church, uh, specifically uh, Christians among amongst my generation, there is a, uh, a big deal going on about uh, what it means to be a man and uh, the idea of what it, uh, the church has become vaguely feminized and blah, 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 um, where it's all a bunch of, you know, fuchsia, uh, uh, polo shirts and such, and hey, you, know, you can be a man in a fusion polo shirt. I I know you can. That's fine, but the problem is that like, uh, b- basically, that the church has become far too polite a thing. Not to imply that impoliteness is bad is is a, is a good thing, or that impoliteness is masculine. Right, exactly. <laughs> right, but it's just that uh, everyone is refusing to take a stand on something, whatever it might be. Because it's all about, like, don't rock the boat, you know, don't tip the boat over. Um, that's the lyric. And so, um, so there, there is Sit that. Sit down, you're rocking the boat. <laughs> that's a lyric from Guys and Dolls. But, and the devil will drag you under by the sharp lapels of your checkered coat. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Were there a lot of checkered coats back then? Yeah. All right, fair enough. Um, but so that's, so honestly... So there's been a big there's a guy that I don't I won't say his name because a lot of people like him but uh, there's a, a pastor that's like really like manly and like really like tries to be like this is what you a man is and it's just like ah you, you haven't really allowed for other people's opinions about what this is mm-hmm. uh, and honestly there's a lot of guys that like to point to 300 and then before that Braveheart as saying like that's freaking what a man is and it's like. Like violence, like that, yeah, basically is what a man is, and so. But the thing is, and um, again, this is something I talked about in the last episode: anti-intellectualism. The yeah, idea kinda. that um, action is more important than thought. Yeah, the idea that that's manly is bullshit to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And I've so, said this before, not on the podcast, but um, I think it's important to be a man. And mm-hmm. but my uh, my addition of my I. I my idea. This edition of manliness <laughs> with David Bax. My idea of manliness has more to do with being a mensch than being macho. Nice. Yeah. And that is the thing is that and 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 I think this is why I think uh, uh, three hundred is a very effective message movie. Much like, much like Night of the Living Dead, is that it's so dressed up in the in you know the costume of just a fun blockbuster, you know, that's going to mm-hmm. freaking blow your mind. Not that Night of Living Dead is, was viewed as a blockbuster at the time, but horror movies in general that have a message, usually they, it's just not a genre that people, that most people view as is trying to get something across. Mm-hmm. And as such, they will go in and, and because it appeals to 
appeals to like the emotional and instinctive part of you, uh, you're I think you're much more likely to be on board with it mm-hmm. uh, intellectually without even maybe realizing it. You know, much like my landlord is a Spengali for me. <laughs> you know, these films are a Spengali for people that uh, that maybe are are in a way like looking for like a way to define masculinity or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden this comes along with such a strong, bold statement. And they're like, oh, yeah, damn, that's what it should be. <laughs> I'm going to go start working out. You know, and but, oh, so, I'm glad you mentioned Night of the Living Dead because I wanted to talk about horror movies. I want to talk about genre movies in general. We okay. actually had, um, you and I had a teacher, I had him for a couple classes, had a teacher in film school uh, named Ron Falzone, yeah. who's my favorite teacher in all of film school. So that's why I'm saying his name because I want everyone to know he's a good guy. Uh, and he was a great teacher. Um, yeah, he was good. And he, I remember him saying in one of the classes that I took with him, I can't remember which one, mm-hmm. but um, that you can say more in a genre movie or get away with saying more in a genre movie. I, I'm paraphrasing him. I can't remember exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. Than in a movie that's clearly a message movie. Yeah. Because genre movies, you've got this sort of backbone. There's only a few places you can go with the plot. It's yeah. going to get people in the theater. They're comfortable with it. Yeah. And then you can, uh, you know, ornament the movie with with your uh, your viewpoint of what you're going to get across. Mm. And Night of the Living Dead, and horror movies in general, Night of the Living Dead, George Romero is uh, almost out of the ordinary as a horror filmmaker because he's such a leftist. Yeah. Or he's so liberal. Mm-hmm. Whereas often, and this is talked about at length in the movie Scream, mm-hmm. um, horror movies are often conservative at least from a um social and ethical and moral standpoint less, yeah. less a political or economic one yeah um that you know we all hear that the kids who uh don't misbehave the kids who are too nonconformist the kids who do drugs or have sex yeah are the most likely to be killed in some awful horrible way yeah. you know and that's not yes those are the tropes of the genre but you can't say that doesn't say something Mm -hmm. that i mean i'm sure there are people who have written horror movies who are who weren't thinking about that but that's whether they think about it or not that's what the movie is saying yeah but just because it's become the go-to uh doesn't mean that it doesn't hold any weight anymore it's still you know i mean look I mean, Wes Craven did Scream. He also did Last House on the Left. Yeah. Uh, which is a god-awful, horrible movie. Okay. You know? But uh, for for no greater a crime than just disobeying her parents, this woman is brutally and prolongedly, if that's a word, yeah. raped and tortured and killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very extreme. That's as extreme as 300 or Shooter. Yeah. Uh, or Or anything else, you know? Or uh, Bullworth, which is mm-hmm. also uh, uh, a message movie, a, a very left. I, I, I just I wanted to throw out something leftist because I mm-hmm. feel like I'm talking about yeah uh, these right wing or or fascistic movies. Um, mm-hmm. But not of the Living Dead, and as I'd say, uh, more than anything, Land of the Dead, yeah, uh, are incredibly left wing movies. You know, yeah. uh, Land of the Dead is a movie about about class and. Uh, I don't mean classiness. I mean yeah. social class. Um, Among other things, I also think it's uh, an indictment of uh, foreign po- American foreign policy. Yes, it, uh, we, I think we've talked about it on the show before. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, the rich people are protected. Mm-hmm. They live. Uh, they live very um, comfortable lives. Yeah, 
the poor people are the poor people in this case being the zombies, the poorest people mm-hmm. are ignored or just murdered. Yeah. And then the middle class, the people like John Leguizamo's character, um they do all the hard work in order to make the upper classes' lives more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, um and this reminds me of another movie that I when it first came out, I feel like I talked about it all the time on this show. So I want to mention it again, and that would be District B-13. Okay. Of, it's a French movie. Uh, it was part of the, uh, I guess, still ongoing parkour craze okay. in action movies. But it's the best of those, and it's one of the best action movies of the decade. I can't, For some reason, that's what, about I'm, the decade that's what I'm on. <laughs> I'm on this streak. You're, you're just very aware that uh, 2011's coming up, and uh, so you want to make all your <laughs> declarative statements about the decade yeah. before that happens. Um, but... That's another movie where, uh, I mean, it, it generally, it, it essentially accuses capitalism of um, creating an almost feudal state where um, not only are some people way better off than other people, mm-hmm. people who are better off are better off because the other people are worse off. Yeah. You know, they they thrive on their blood. Mm-hmm. So that's what District B-13 is about. It's also about uh, people... Jumping, jumping around walls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that and and that's the thing is, you know, I, I I think I it was weird. I actually failed to recognize this in the last episode because I I had made this statement that you know it appeals to that a fun movie will appeal to this before it will try to appeal to this in an audience before this thing. Um, and then I I guess in my mind I thought of message movies as being the opposite. You know, the idea of course being. Uh, fun movies appeal to emotion, emotion, right? Be- and and a visceral kind of thing uh, before a person's intellect, and and one might immediately follow the other. And then I guess I just assume that message movies will go the other way. Um, and a good ex- because I had in my mind a movie like Good Night and Good Luck, which is almost purely intellectual, uh-huh. and and is and is requiring that you understand things intellectually before you get angry you have to make yourself angry about what's happening they're not going to spoon feed you and say like look how angry you should be right they just say if you the if you work hard and really understand what's going on the emotion will come we're not going to supply you with that you supply it yourself based on your understanding of the events right and so that's what i had in mind but the more it's also to i'm going to Get on my political bandwagon a little okay, bit, well, I guess. Okay, well, I did last, last time, um, so. It's also people like George Clooney or, uh, you know, um, uh, Edward R. Murrow. Yeah. I forgot the guy's name for a second. Yeah. Uh, you know, their whole point of view is they believe in the intelligence of the American people enough that if they give right. them the facts, they'll be angry about the right things yeah. on their own. Whereas people like, uh, there's a there are names I don't even like to say on this podcast, but people like Glenn Beck. Yeah. Um, they don't trust the intelligence. Even if... Even if Glenn Glenn Beck is uh, entirely honest about his viewpoint, which I mm-hmm. don't think is true, yeah. I don't think it's coming from, um, uh, and uh, just uh, I don't think it's coming from an honest place. Yeah. Um, but even if he were, he's not trusting the intelligence of his audience enough to give them the facts and then make up the minds for themselves. He is doing this thing you're talking about. He's yeah. spoon-feeding the anger to them. Which, actually, uh, for those that might uh, be upset about what David was saying, I'll go the other way. Not, not the other way, because Glenn Beck absolutely does that. Um, <laughs> but so does Michael Moore. 
Um, oh, yeah. Michael Moore, all of his films have a message. And, you know what? Here's the thing. I've gotten tired of talking about Michael Moore. Every once in a while, I'll think about him again, or he'll be on the news, or you know, be on Larry King saying some damn thing that bothers me. Um, and usually, it's not what he is saying that bothers me quite so much as how he's saying it, mm-hmm. and especially in his movies, because his whole thing. I mean, really. First off, he's 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 counting on people to not look things up when he makes his movies, <laughs> because. It is astounding how many factual errors. I mean, it, brazen. It is. Bra- I mean, if he's doing any kind of research, he has to realize that these facts that he is putting out there are incorrect. Mm-hmm. He has to know it. There is no way he can't know it. But he's putting it out there, knowing f- because he wants to do this to support his his point of view, and maybe and the facts could possibly support it anyway. But that's not enough. They have to support it in a way that will get everyone on board unquestioningly and it should be noted that one of his key things is dressing everything up like a comedy now in some cases maybe a tragic comedy like a fahrenheit 9-11 but um but again much like these other movies appeals to something in this case humor appeals to something that we all we all like to laugh right and Mm -hmm. so appeals to that and gets us laughing and then while we're laughing kind of trojan horses not so much anymore but uh kind of trojan horses this this message out there um and so so people don't really notice that that's what he's doing and they just say like oh man he's right he's got a good point and so in many cases in many ways he's he's similar to Zack snyder in 300 is he does he's so effective at i don't think 300 is that effective personally but uh to the type of audience that was that would be receptive to it anyway i never was not to imply i'm better or anything like that but just i didn't think it was going to be that good in the first place but um to a receptive audience you just if you push the right buttons then you can put any message out there you want and not only will they not reject it they it's very likely that they'll just accept it as mm-hmm. the way it is, you know, whether it be 300 saying this is the way masculinity is and this is the way society best functions um, or Michael Moore saying like, oh, yeah, uh, Charlton Heston came through after the shooting of this little girl um, came through and uh, and get, had a big pro gun rally. Mm-hmm. Never mind the fact that if you put any if you do even the smallest amount of research, you realize it was eight months later. It wasn't pro-gun, and it wasn't just Charlton Heston. It was a get-out-the-vote rally. Al Gore was there, George W. Bush was there, and Charlton Heston was there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's... That, that's... You cannot make a mistake and say, oh, clearly this is, this is him uh, doing a pro-gun rally. I mean, that's, that is a, either willful ignorance or purposeful lying, but he has a message to get, ac- a message to get across, and that's the only thing that matters. You know, and he because he dresses it up in this other thing, mm-hmm. uh, it becomes more acceptable, and that to me is infuriating. Um, and it's and it is it is in my opinion no better than what Glenn Beck does, except that it probably is a little more entertaining. Um, well, there you go. Tyler so. and I are on not completely opposite sides, but opposite sides of the center. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Politically, but we are united in our co hatred for Glenn Beck and Michael yeah. Moore. Because it, it really, I mean, honestly, it's sort of like I remember that uh, I think. What was that movie? An American Carol? Is that what it was called? Oh, yes. And I think Bill Maher's Religious opened the same weekend. I believe so, yes. And Tom Sharpton from The Best Show said, these movies will unite America because right-wingers <laughs> trying to distance themselves from American Carol and left-wingers <laughs> trying to distance themselves from Religious will meet in the middle. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
and they will embrace the Hurt Locker or something. <laughs> right. um, but uh, yeah, and and I guess when talking about movies with a message, I mean, and we've already kind of danced around it, but we haven't thrown the word out there yet, and we should propaganda. Yeah, I mean that's and one could. I mean, what uh, in your opinion, what is your definition of propaganda? Oh God, that's hard to say. Because um, you took a, a war propaganda class, correct? Yeah. Did they define it there? I'm sure they did. You know okay. who taught that class? Who's that? Ron Falzone. Ron Falzone. Um, I'm uh, sorry to put you on the spot like that. Yeah, I, f- I mean, it seems like it's just persuasive material, but no. that is more interested in persuading than convincing, if that makes sense. Okay. You know? Yeah, yeah, there is a difference between the two, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's it definitely appeals... Propaganda, by its nature, appeals to your emotion before your intellect. Okay. Which brings me to another thing, okay. actually, that I want to talk... Another movie I want to talk about. Um, you mentioned before that a lot of times these movies that are message movies will use an emotional appeal to get their message across. Mm-hmm. Hold on a second. Let's take a break while <sighs> David has a, a drink of water. Um, and that's absolutely true. Most of them uh, appeal to the emotions to sort of open you up. Mm-hmm. And... There's a movie that is has a lot of quote unquote emotional appeal, appeal or at least fun appeal. It's a fun movie to watch, mm-hmm. but its message completely contradicts the fun, and that's Starship Troopers. Okay, the message that it's saying, uh, like the things that are happening on the on screen, the nationalism, the sort of things that happen in Three Hundred, right, are a lot of fun to watch. I'd say more fun than Three Hundred, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the actual message of the movie is completely intellectual and runs counter to it. Right. It uses it uses irony to get it like a, a sort of uh yeah, irony I guess. Yeah. to get its point across, which is probably why um a lot of the movie going public misses the point because yeah. that's just not the way that like we talked about at the beginning of the episode, that's not the way most people watch movies. Yeah. Um I don't know what else to say about. I just wanted to put Starship Troopers out there as an example. Yeah, well, well because or I don't even know what it was an example. I'm trying to think of other things that are like that. That, and there's not many. I mean, like something where, or at least there, I can't think of a lot of movies that do that throughout the entire movie. There might be moments where it's just like, ah, I see. There's a they're saying this, but they mean this. Starship well, Troopers is a whole film of it. Yeah, and it's also a. Uh, one of the it, it successfully satirizes that sort of nationalism without ever mm-hmm. um, falling victim to it. Yeah. Another movie that um, I think fails. Speaking of Oliver Stone, is Natural Born Killers, which tries okay. to do the same thing. Yeah. It. I thought you liked Natural Born Killers. I did when I was younger. It's it's not good. Okay. Yeah. It is not a good movie. Um, and that's one I never liked. Actually, you brought it back. You oh. brought it up on uh, I think the previous episode that uh, never cared for it. Oh, good. Um, I saw well, through you, it. You I were get right. It. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, You're that's right that, is, Club, it's fine. that is full of violence, but serves to uh, satirize our obsession with sensationalism mm-hmm. and violence. Um, but it's unsuccessful because it, at the end of the day, the movie enjoys how violent it is, and, and yeah. that's that's the problem with with, with Starship Troopers. Uh, or a thing like funny games, maybe. Yeah. Um, if you enjoy the the violence, you kind of feel bad about it. If you you should. And I feel the same way. I mean, this I, in many ways, this goes back to our very first episode, um, 
when uh, I was talking about how much I love a history of violence, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting thing because in that one, I mean, the I'm not even sure if I would say it's hard to think of that movie as being particularly ironic uh, because I, I think it's actually very sincere. At least the the characters are very sincere. Whereas you can see some irony, certainly in Funny Games, and definitely in uh, Starship Troopers. But uh, but a history of violence is very straight faced because what's fascinating is that it it seems to be putting out two messages, mm-hmm. and you could you could latch on to either one and say that's the message. One is that violence works. Violence is a very effective way uh-huh. to uh, solve problems. You know, and I mean, in the in the film, the character is protecting his family and himself from a bunch of thugs, and he's meeting them on, on their own terms and winning. And uh, by the end, problem solved. Everyone's dead. Um, <laughs> and uh, so that is it's that's one message. But then. If you go even, if you go, I would say maybe deeper than that, but maybe it isn't deeper. Maybe it's just uh, on the same level, the idea that, yeah, but violence caused this. Mm-hmm. This wouldn't even be an issue if this guy didn't have the history of violence that, uh, you know, the title. If he if he hadn't done that, this wouldn't, he wouldn't have to do this. Right. And so, so that's the thing is just which of those messages do you latch on to? Because it's very different, you know. Depending on who you are as a person and what you believe, you could latch on to one and completely disagree with someone who latches on to the other. Yeah, um, but history of violence doesn't. Um, on the it, it's it, it, despite the fact that it portrays a lot of really violent acts, it doesn't yeah. glorify them. No, it, it doesn't. It um, which is not to say that they're not exhilarating. Yeah, they, that's the yeah. honesty of of David Cronenberg's. Those two movies, History of Violence and Eastern Promises, mm-hmm. the uh, the bathhouse knife fight in Eastern Promises is um, there's no way you can say it's not exhilarating, right? But that doesn't mean it's fun. And like, David, homoerotic, right? Oh yeah. Okay, um, that's for you, buddy. Damn it! I was going to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, um, this is going to be a retread of our first ever episode uh, right here, but um, that's not available anymore. So, and plus, we're better at doing this now. There you go. <laughs> Uh, but you know, um, a movie that almost that does dare to to make a case for uh, for violence as um, as a justifiable means to an end is uh, Tony Scott's Man on Fire. Oh yeah, uh, which is a like a two and a half hour almost yeah. opera of violence. Yeah, uh, violence as catharsis. Really, I mean, he yeah. becomes a better person through violence. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, spoiler alert for Man on Fire. Yeah. He dies at the end. Yes. Um. Sacrifices himself, one could say. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, um, I think Tony Scott's point in, in Man on Fire, um, which is, I think, the last good movie he made. I, did you like the Taking a Pell 1, 2, 3 remake? I liked it more than I thought I would. Okay. That's not saying much. Uh, oh, have you seen the trailer for Unstoppable? Yes. It looks terrible. It looks unbelievably bad. Yeah, it looks really awful. Um, but anyway, the point I think that Tony Scott is trying to make is that you can get good things accomplished through violence, but it's going to take a toll on you, and you have yes. to decide if it's worth it. Yeah. And, and that's a that's a pretty ballsy thing to say. Yeah. And that's... And that's uh, 
I, I guess I'll go back to history of violence, but the the approach that both uh, Tony Scott and Cronenberg take towards the depiction of violence is again the uh, it's the it's the two messages you know in the case of uh, Eastern Promises and such um, like oh violence it's so horrendous I don't like watching this it's really gross I mean I remember when I saw History of Violence in the theater there was audible reactions to a lot of the violence of people like oh but. It is exhilarating. There's no question about mm-hmm. it. And just his refusal to, I think, I, of course, I think I know which view he holds, which is that violence is a horrible thing and violence will only ever beget more violence. Um, but he does not, he oddly enough does not really uh, telegraph that this is the message you absolutely need to get out of it. Because for that message, mm-hmm. there's another one that says, Violence will solve the problem, and it's kind of cool when you're doing it, you know? And so maybe not oh, that phrasing, but... I um, We're going to have to wrap up soon because okay. it's been almost an hour. But I want to talk about a movie uh, that you and I were talking about before we started recording today. Okay. That's Goodfellas. Okay. Uh, Martin Scorsese has said before that he abhors violence, and that's why he shows it so brutally on the screen. Mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese, you are a great film director, but bullshit. <laughs> Scorsese fetishizes violence. Yeah. And the reason it's so brutal is because he takes such great joy in in depicting it. Yeah. That's I, my that's my point of view. I would say the departed is is in there as well. Yeah. And um Goodfellas is more a movie about how you shouldn't do drugs than it is a movie that's anti violence. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean the the violent things that happen in Goodfellas are are sickening, but not in the way that the history of violence is. Yeah. You know, it's it's still kind of like sometimes I, kind of funny. Yeah, and kind of cool. Like, yeah, it, it it elicits a reaction like, "Oh, did you see that?" Yeah, like when they shoot Samuel Jackson in the back of the head. Yeah, and <laughs> blood like an inch thick all over one side of his bedroom. Like, yeah, the way that his head just explodes forward. Yeah, uh, the. It, there's no way to not marvel at that. Yeah, you know. Uh, so that's. I just wanted to mention Goodfellas and what he's. I mean, uh, I think basically, if you look at Goodfellas as much as I love that movie, mm-hmm. it's essentially saying that Henry Hill would have been a fine gangster and would have led a great life if it hadn't been for the drugs. <laughs> like yeah. it's okay to be a mobster as long yeah, as you everything would have turned out fine. Yeah. You know, you don't get high on your own supply, David. Yeah. Um, and I, the th- we've been talking actually a lot about violence in the last few minutes, but uh, so I don't want it to turn into something that is purely that. But um, but I go back to a, a, a quote that you said by Janine Garofalo uh-huh. um, in which she was talking about humor. And uh, and I would say and of course, often humor is delivery of a message and the message is is often like, oh, this thing I'm talking about is absurd in no, some something way. Something else I want to talk about. Um but what she said was, the more specific... You would think the broader you go, the more people could be included. But that's actually not true. The more specific you go, mm-hmm. the more people can relate, maybe not so specifically, like, oh, I know exactly what they're going through. But they, they may not be able to empathize, but they can sympathize with uh, with what's going on. And so I think uh, a good example of that is, you look at, I mean, all the... You know, 
anti-war Iraq movies. We mentioned Lion for Lambs, uh, Lions mm-hmm. for Lambs already. Then there's like Rendition and even Stop Loss. I heard was only so-so. Um, you know, these movies they they had a message first, mm-hmm. and then kind of had characters, as I mentioned with Lions for Lambs, that are representative of things as opposed to just being their own thing. And the same deal goes with uh, the movie Rendition, uh, with a couple characters that are that are. Uh, a little more specific, but, uh, and that's why it's why the Hurt Locker works so well. Also, because as we mentioned, it was kind of an a- action movie esque, mm-hmm. but also, um, it just it didn't deal with the larger aspects of the you know the rightness of war or whatever. Um, and it didn't have these characters talking about like. You know, hey man, you know, I just do what my country tells me and I just believe my country. I don't know why I went southern with it. None of the char- I don't think any of the characters have a southern accent. But um, it just it just tells the stories of these soldiers, the impact that war is having on them specifically, and an understanding. And this is actually, the film was kind of controversial amongst some soldiers, including uh, some friends of mine, in saying, like, we're not all like that. It's like, I agree, and I think the filmmaker agrees. And doesn't try to make that argument. It's saying mm-hmm. it's, not, it's saying, not saying that all soldiers are like this. It's saying that this character is like it, and there are probably other people like him, but not everybody. But even if it's just this one guy, isn't that terrible enough? Mm-hmm. You know, and and so because it focused on characters and these specific situations, it winds up being a far more effective message film than uh, than the films that did you know the message first. It's, one, it's yeah. also one of the reasons why the Apostle will be a much better is a much better Christian movie than movies actually made by a Christian studio because mm-hmm. for them the message is first and for Duval the character was first and uh so I'm sorry you had something you wanted to get to two things one the specificity thing uh bring just this has nothing to do with the topic but I just want to mention my oh, pet good. peeves okay. which is uh movies where they do the like cutesy trick of like we never say what city we're in like yeah because I guess they're saying this could happen anywhere in America. Yeah. Well, bullshit. Because anywhere in America is a place, and people who live there are aware that they live in this place. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna tell me. Ugh, like, I'm looking at you, Neil Butte, and your friends and neighbors, which is a movie <laughs> that I generally like. Yeah. But I hate the everything takes place indoors, and uh, and we never say the name of the city. Like, do you really think? So if that movie takes place in New York City, someone in Dallas is going to be like, well, those people in New York are awful. No one in yeah. Dallas cheats on their wife ever. Yeah. No, it, it's, it, it makes more sense to set a movie in a place because everyone is from a place and lives in a place that is mm-hmm. real and specific. I think the only way you could ever justify doing it is if you're making a if you're making a if it's a commentary on a person's profession, because there are some professions that probably no matter where you live you know, uh, are pretty much the same. Like they require you to be indoors all the time and Uh it really doesn't matter where you are, um, and stuff like that. But that to me is the only way you could do that. If you're talking about relationships and the nature of, of these certain people, then it's like, yeah, where you live makes a big difference, you know? But anyway, the, the topic I wanted to get to actually, which is something I was talking about this, um, what our topic today was going to be with, uh, my girlfriend and, and I, and I, uh, put out there the idea that any movie by virtue of existing is making some sort of statement or taking some sort of stand or presenting a worldview. Yeah. And um, her argument um, was, what about spoof movies? What mm. about a movie that only exists because another movie exists? Does it still have a point of view? 
And I think, yes, because I think um, uh, the sort of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I mean, I, I think a, a spoof movie, is a, its point of view is generally anti. Yeah. It's irreverent and it's anarchic. And that's that's a worldview. And I think... Do you agree, though? I do, actually, because... Because, I mean, you made a face when I said her point that, like, she's got a point, and I think she does, but I, I, I was, still stick by... The face I was making is because spoofs is the first place my mind went uh. as an argument against what you were saying, but now that I think about it, um, sometimes... Because I was thinking of bad spoofs. Uh-huh. The good ones usually deflate the self-seriousness of something, right. of art in general, often. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why, like, the best ones, like Airplane, for example, there is nothing more melodramatic and ridiculous than, like, those are really any disaster movie. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's the same with uh, Independence Day and, and Mars Attacks and whatever, mm-hmm. that just they take themselves so seriously, and it's just, and these movies are essentially saying, it's just a movie. Right. And it's kind of... But you're kind if, of making my girlfriend's point here. Oh, okay. It, it, it's not a point of view on its own because it needs the movie. But I still think that Airplane speaks to larger things than just the movies, you know? Mm. Um, it uh, Because it takes... By taking the... Uh, what's the word? I'm, what, taking the piss is the oh, word okay. I was going to use. That's not an American... Uh, yeah. We have plenty of... British listeners who Indeed. say enjoy that, that everyone. Uh, that's the way, you, but it um, it doesn't just take the piss out of the movies. It just has a general atmosphere of taking the piss, you yeah. know. And um, like even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar being in the movie as yeah. himself, like trying to hide from being Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like yeah. it says something about celebrity and celebrity worship and the fact yeah. that the little kid like says, you know, my dad says you. Uh, dog it on defense or whatever yeah. you know it's 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 putting a, a pin in like to, taking the air out of uh out of just the things we hold important important in general well that's the point of view i think of a spoof movie i mean yeah i mean i just a, yeah a general irreverence and just saying like i mean in talking about yes don't take this movie so seriously but also yeah like the things that the that the it, it is hinged a little bit on the film that it's spoofing or the genre that it's spoofing or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's also spoofing what that genre is about, which is of course means it's about something larger because for example, in Kareem being in uh airplane, you just call him Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, right? Yeah. But I go by, I, Ka- I call I, him Kareem. Okay, I didn't know about you knew him. Um, you know what? If you live out here long enough, you just kind of do it. <laughs> I know it sounds. And then of course all your, Friends back home is like, oh, blah, blah, blah. or of course your asshole co-host. Um, but the uh, <laughs> but him being in it, if, you know, of course there's two levels. One is the fact that like O.J. Simpson was in, I think, Towering Inferno. Um, I'm not. I think I'm, I'm almost positive of that. Sure, I know. But but the fact that they will put like athletes or celebrities that are not necessarily actors, they'll plug them in there in a ro- in kind of a a supporting role, and you're like, oh, hey, he's in this. Mm-hmm. You know, so. First, it's taking the piss out of that, but then also the larger thing of it's, you know, a celebrity can be whatever they they can be in anything they want because they're a celebrity. It doesn't matter that they're not an actor, um, <laughs> you know, whereas they're a celebrity and they want to do something. So we will let them because they're celebrities and they are thus better than we are. Yeah. So it's taking so it's specific and then also much broader, you know. And so so I think, yeah, I think spoof I, I think spoof movies 
do have a message to get across, but I think it's at the very least hinge on the idea of movies in general. Maybe not the one it's specifically spoofing, but the idea of maybe even the way people approach these movies okay. um, or approach art in general. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Hoyo. We've had a couple of uh, very fun very, episodes for me. Very academic discussions. It's yes. A, it's, a, it's a blast. We'll have a guest back uh, another time, and then we can go really shallow again. Yeah. Um, so if you would like to continue the academic discussion, discussion with us after you found us at BattleshipRetention.com or in iTunes, you can email us, David at BattleshipRetention.com or Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. Of course, there's a message board as well. Indeed. Um, you can follow me, David, on Twitter at Twitter.com slash ThePretension. And you can find Tyler on Twitter at Twitter.com slash MoreLessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which you can find at MoreThanOneLesson.com or on iTunes. And you can find my other podcast, the weekly TV review show, previously on at PreviouslyOnShow.com or in iTunes. Indeed. And uh, a reminder, by the way, if you're listening to this episode... We recorded and put out two episodes. We made plenty of reference, but I, I will repeat now. Uh, go back and listen to the last episode, which we put up yesterday. 184. 184. This, this is 185. Is 185. Yeah. So uh, invariably, anytime we put together put out two episodes close together, the most recent one gets way more hits. And yeah. so I want to encourage you, if you are listening to this, go back and, and download and listen to the other one as yeah, well. Yeah, it's a companion piece. It really is. Uh at the very least, because we are constantly making reference to uh, the other episode right. in this one and vice versa. So, uh, yeah, in the, uh, as it is, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I'm Tyler Smith. We're not doing it like that. <laughs> <laughs>